Welcome to the whatever the hell this stupid podcast is called. The the Evan and Biseglia talk about Brooklyn basketball podcast. We are recording this minutes after the Brooklyn Nets took a gigantic broom out on the Western Conference and swept up the elites of the West. And it was capped off as they held off the Los Angeles Clippers and have completed a perfect West Coast trip. Biseglia, how are you, baby? I'm good. I can't remember in my lifetime ever watching the Brooklyn, or I should say the New Jer- the Nets, go on a West Coast trip and sweep its ass. I mean, I remember the Nets teams with, in New Jersey with Kid. They go on a West Coast trip and it'd be like three and two tops. But just to sweep it, I mean, remarkable to see. And I, I thought for sure tonight they were going to get their ass kicked. You know, hanging out in L.A. a couple of days. I thought the Clippers were going to have it to them, but uh, I was absolutely incorrect. No, I agree. I n- Not necessarily because they're hanging out in L.A. I just figured the Clippers are coming for revenge. I mean, the Nets won a hard-fought game in Brooklyn a couple of weeks ago. There is no Kevin Durant. The Clippers yeah. are relatively healthy. I mean, basically healthy. So I agree. I went into tonight's game kind of – I shouldn't have this sense, but I had that house money sense. The problem sure. is when they opened up the second-half lead that they had, I, I think the largest lead they had was 14 or 16. It was somewhere around there. 15, I think. Was it 15? Look, dude, my expectations changed. Then it became about we got to win this freaking basketball sure. game. And when they went on that run and they cut it to six, I got to give this head coach credit because this head coach is learning on the job. And one of my early critiques of him, I think you had the same, which was his inability to have the feel for a game and call a timeout at the right time. Right. He called a timeout, regrouped the guys, right away James Harden to step back three to put him back, back up by nine with six and a half minutes to go. But obviously it got dicier than that. They freaking tied the game on the Kawhi Leonard free throws. And then DeAndre Jordan, mm. look, we, we, we just have to give him one gigantic bear hug. Despite the fact how he drives me nuts, he drives you nuts, he drives every net fan nuts, the back-to-back freaking blocks on back-to-back possessions late fourth quarter, Right. more importantly, the tapping off the Kyrie miss, and that, my friends, is your game winner. And he actually made one of two free throws after James Harden missed two, which was a critical free throw from DeAndre. And it shows, too, like when he is engaged when he is motivated, he can be a difference maker on the team and give him give this squad a big. We, we've seen in spurts since the Jared Allen trade where DeAndre has looked better since that one putrid game that he had. And I'm blanking on who it was against at this point, but he had that one game where it was just, it was an, oh, it was the Detroit game where it was just an embarrassment. He didn't try, he didn't hustle, he just gave up on defense, and it was just a true embarrassment. He has gone out and played much better. He had the one game where he missed for personal reasons on the West Coast trip. But before that versus Indiana, and then on this trip, he has looked like a much better player and not anywhere near what DeAndre Jordan was, but at least serviceable where you feel like they have somebody that could go out there and play decent basketball and not be a liability. So kudos to DJ, had the tip, has been playing better basketball and clearly makes a big difference for this team that they can just have another body that they can feel comfortable with in the rotation. And you hit on it. He gave an F. And when DeAndre Jordan gives an F, He's actually a competent basketball player, and he was facing his former team, so he was clearly motivated. But you're right, and I failed to mention it. I thought hitting a free throw, and that's the bar we have for a guy who's basically a 55% free throw shooter, 
that was a huge moment in this game because Patrick Beverly was wise. Jefferson even said it on the broadcast to give the foul to DeAndre Jordan thinking, hey, there's a chance he'll miss both free throws. He made the free throw. Obviously, the tip-in was great. It was like a volleyball kind of action mm -hmm. off the Kyrie miss. But even though it didn't turn into any points because they were both empty possessions, the back-to-back -back blocks on back-to-back -back possessions, Kawhi Leonard sort of on the perimeter. He was away from the basket, kind of took a fadeaway jumper. And then Zubak right near the basket. DeAndre Jordan made plays tonight. And they needed him because, unfortunately, and, the, and I guess this is the damper of the whole thing, yeah. unfortunately it looked like Jeff Green got shot on the basketball court and it was so odd man because I'm pumped up that they called an offensive foul which was right. called on Patrick Beverly and it was one he took a little bit of a shove on Jeff Green on the screen and then pushed him a second time even as Jeff Green was on the ground it didn't look like that dirty of a play I mean I'd love to say Patrick Beverly committed a dirty play I didn't think it was I mean it was a foul but I didn't think it was worthy of the reaction green gave which and i'm not saying it wasn't a real injury i guess i'm just saying i don't know what the hell happened i don't know if it was a pre-existing injury that got exasperated but it looked really really bad and the thing that scares me the most bro me, is yeah. the fact that he was kicking the gatorade stand as he left almost made you think like he knows how bad it is and i'm almost expecting not to see jeff green again anytime soon if at all well, if you're somebody that's Jeff Green, who's been around the block, this guy has been in a million games. He's a savvy veteran. When he, I thought the same thing. When he's walking off the court and he is kicking the Gatorade, that shows you that he is frustrated with something that is happening to his body that is going to hurt his chances of playing again. And that terrified me when he took it out on the Gatorade. That was, that was the moment I said, because he clearly can move. Why the hell is he doing that? He knows something that only he knows from internal body use. And that scared me because he is such a big part of this he team. Is. He, he is. shoots threes. He plays defense. He's in, in on every fucking switch. Sorry, excuse me. He's in on every switch that they have. He is there. And that terrifies me if he is hurt. That does no, scare me. I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with it. He has been really, really good. He's been worth every penny. Remember, they got him on a veteran's minimum He's been hitting three-point shots at a high rate. He can defend anybody. I think that's the beauty of the Nets right now. They switch all the time because they can't. Because everybody can at least sort of defend everybody. I say sort of because it's not ideal when, you know, Kyrie Irving is trying to guard Kawhi Leonard. But you get the point. It's scary. And that's not the only injury the Nets are dealing with coming out of this game. TLC's banged up. He didn't play in the second half of this game. He has really started to step up of late. Played really well in the L.A. Laker game. Look, the Durant injury is what it is. It's a hamstring. Neither of us are surprised he didn't play on this West Coast trip. I think both of us predicted on the last podcast he'd return for the Sacramento game in Brooklyn, which is on Tuesday night. Right. I'm not exactly confident he's going to play in that game. But right now, there's no rush. I mean, they've won every game on this West Coast trip. They're clicking without him. They could use him, obviously. But I think right now, the wins – and just remembering how careful you need to be with elite level players, especially someone coming off an Achilles injury like Durant, is a reminder that there really is no rush. The fact they keep winning makes it no rush, but the team's dealing with injuries now because there's uncertainty about Jeff Green and there's certainly uncertainty about TLC now moving forward. And this was a game maybe you would want, not maybe, but you would definitely want Kevin Durant down in the stretch when it was tightening up. It was the end of a long road trip. The Clippers were coming back. You know, luckily enough, the uh, Paul George minute restriction, they had to, they took him out of the game, which is absurd. 
to see him on the on the on the bench or, or standing on the side with three and a half minutes left to go in a four to six point game, whatever it was at that point. But yeah, you could have used Durant tonight. You could have felt his presence down at the very end when they needed buckets, which would have been nice. Uh, but you're right. The injuries have started to pile up a little bit, but that's what I guess happens when you're in a long stretch of a season and then you get to the middle of this point, Tyler Johnson, you know, he was inactive as well, did not play. So yeah, you felt, you felt it a little bit more in this game, which makes it all that more impressive that they went into LA and beat the Clippers team, which by record standpoint is the second best team in the West. Yeah. And an elite level defensive team and an elite level three point shooting team. And look what, There were so many things from this game. First of all, the L.A. Clippers made their threes. They shot it at a 40% clip. The Brooklyn Nets did not make their threes. They shot it at a 29% clip. And the reason I bring that up is when you look at some of these wins on the West Coast trip, the Nets were drilling their threes. They were on a great pace. Here was a game against an elite team in which they did not hit their threes. The L.A. Clippers did hit their threes, and they won. And that's, that's kind of the beauty of it. And there's a few reasons why they were able to do it. Number one, they didn't turn the ball over. And that's something that's gotten better as time has gone on. That was a huge issue early in the season. It's obviously gotten better because these guys are playing together, but they only turned the ball over, I think, six or seven times in this game. So small things like that can make up for the fact that they didn't hit their threes the way the LA Clippers did, and they won the game anyway. Now, I'll give you a nitpick. I don't know if you noticed this. Other than James Harden's drive with about a minute and a half to go in which he got fouled and then missed both free throws, which felt like a really bad omen for this game. Right. The ball was exclusively in the hands of Kyrie Irving over the last four minutes of this game. Now, Kyrie had some nice dimes, if you will. The pass to DeAndre Jordan where he's wide open under the basket. He had a pass to Joe Harris under Mm -hmm. the basket. But outside of that, he was missing all of his shots. I mean, he missed a couple of step-back threes late. He got bailed out by the DeAndre Jordan tapping. So James Harden, who had, you know, a very good statistical performance in this game. I mean, the guy finished with 37, Mm -hmm. did not take a shot in the last four minutes of the game. It was exclusively Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and Kyrie, two of 11 from three in this game. And that, 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 that is a fear is when they go a little too much ISO. And if Kyrie's not hitting his shots, he's two for 11. And the one pass that he had to Joe Harris was off the miss, but it was, he just got lucky the way, I guess, Paul George inability to rebound the ball. It just ended up back with Kyrie. He did make a nice move to get it and then made the great pass. But you're right. He was missing shots, but it was what wild is he was still 12 of 26 from the field. So obviously he was hot early and then faltered off uh, a little bit later in the game with all those missed buckets. I do feel a sense of confidence, which is weird to say because I never thought I would, these, these words would be uttered out of my mouth. And I know he missed the free throws, but I feel a sense of calm when James Harden has the ball, like he's going to make the right decision. There was a few of those step back threes he took that weren't great, but there were James Harden type threes. But for the most part, it's like, He's going to make the right decision. He's going to be the guy. I'd prefer him with these two guys on the court as as the ball handler at the end of games moving forward. And do you agree that you have a man crush on Bruce Brown? Because he is the Yeah, he's great. He's like this feisty son of a bitch who really understands his role on this team. He's got that floater perfected. He's banging with bigs in the paint. I mean, I, I just love Bruce Brown. I mean, I'm sure she's thinking about getting the man's jersey right now. 
He, he had the one play against Paul George where he bodied up against him. He doesn't care. He's feisty with him. And then Kyrie had to come in there and like, hey, calm down, calm down, Paul. This is all good. Yeah, no, Bruce Brown has been unbelievable. It's funny to think like early in the season, he wasn't playing. He wasn't in the rotation. Oh. Now he's a guy that has to be there. He's been phenomenal. He really has. Now, here's the question. As we digest this sweep of the West Coast, we digest this really good victory against the L.A. Clippers. They sweep the L.A. Clippers season series. They sweep California. They sweep the West Coast trip. And I want you to give this thought. Okay. Because maybe on the surface, this is going to sound like a very easy, dumb question. And I need to ask it to you, all right? Mm -hmm. Of the five victories they got out West, all right? Golden State, Sacramento, Phoenix, the Lakers, and the Clippers. The most satisfying of the five. Go ahead. Phoenix. Because of the comeback. That's why you're saying Phoenix? Because of the comeback, but also because it was on a back-to-back night and coming back and winning without Kyrie Irving to win after defeating Sacramento the night before, then to be down was the typical letdown game all right, we're 2-0 and on the West Coast trip. Game number three, Kyrie, Kevin aren't playing, Durant's not playing. We're down 24 points. We're down 21 points. Let's just take the L, move on, go to L.A., try to get like a split. And we had a decent West Coast trip. Even if we lose all these games, we're 2-3. and three, And it's not a great West Coast trip, but it's not when you leave at 2-3 at, at and three and you derailed your record, you're still in a good place. The fact that they came back and they were able to get that win versus Phoenix – and even after the incredible performance from Chris Paul to go back up eight points with about two and a half minutes left, I, that when they won that game, I said, this is a team that has some DNA in them for championship level competition. Cause that, that's the kind of game I would, I've never seen my team win that kind of game. I know they had that great win versus the Kings, but this was like all the variables back to back, not two of their better players out. I was stunned by that W. Well, no, no, no. Let's let's be honest. You have to be honest with the audience, okay? A part of why you put the Phoenix game ahead of the comeback against the Kings two years ago is because your ass was sleeping during that comeback. Is that fair? No comment. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, Evan, at the time, I had to get up the next morning at 2 a.m. I'm not, dude, so, I'm not different circumstances in life. But yes, you're right. I'm not, I'm not ripping you for it. I totally get different circumstances in life. I mean, I'm lucky enough when I'm working afternoons. If I was working mornings, which is yeah. the shift that you had, I can't answer. I, I would probably be up, but I am a sick, sick man who would just find sleep later, which yeah. a lot of us can't do. And if you're working a nine to five job, you can't do that. So I understand why you missed that game. I'm just pointing out that that does add to this being better than the Sacramento game. Because you didn't experience it. That's a you know that's I mean? a fair point. I can't argue that. I can't argue that. But but also that 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 correct me if I'm wrong. But that Kings win was like, um, hey, this team is struggling. There's they're on this West yes. Coast trip, and they got that win, and then they beat the Lakers, and they kind of took that next push into the season to correct the playoff spot. So that also was a big momentum win just to make the playoffs. Well, that's why this team's going to be there. That's why. And look, I I don't want to sit here comparing the two games, but hey, let's do it. The Sacramento game was better in my stomach. That's how I measure these things. You know, my reaction in the stomach because of what you just laid out. The fact that it felt like the playoffs were slipping away. And so that game from a a standing standpoint, from where it was in the season standpoint, 
It was just a more significant win. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, bottom line. Now, look, the Phoenix game was incredible. I mean, it really was. It was a West Coast game. Some people brought this up on Twitter to me, and you really have to be, I guess, intense to have noticed this. Okay. But I was behind. Like, my tweets about the game and after they had pulled off the comeback was about 15 to 20 minutes after the game actually occurred. Okay. And so one guy tweeted at me and said, what was going on? Like, I actually checked your Twitter account after the win. I, you didn't tweet anything. <laughs> now you tweet 20 minutes later. Yeah. I, I Literally, it was one guy. Maybe there were two guys who noticed this because right. who's really noticing this? And the truth is, so they're playing this game against Phoenix. My son, my oldest son, who's four years old, still has a difficult time sleeping the night in terms of he'll wake up maybe one time in the middle of the night scared. You know, something happened that scares him. So usually I go in because I don't, unfortunately, don't get to see him that much during the day because I'm working and I calm him down. So on this particular night, Mike, <laughs> he woke up at about 11 05, you yeah. know? So it was early in the game. So I go into his room and I have the game on my iPad. So I'm like, look, I'm not going to pause the game. I'll just have the game on. God knows how long this is going to take. So I'm watching the game. They're just getting their ass kicked. And at halftime, I fell asleep. Now, before you jump down my throat, no, I woke yet. up about 10 to 15 minutes into the third quarter, but I never saw the score. Oh, I just okay. quickly popped up and I was like, what the hell's going on? I yeah. look at the clock. I see the game on. I quickly pause it and just rewind to the beginning of the third quarter. Hence, I was behind. Right. So, so that's well, why I wasn't texting you very much during the game. I wasn't texting anybody because I was just behind on the game. And then I eventually finished it. And yeah, it was unbelievable. You touched on it. I mean, how many times did Chris Paul hit backbreaking shots? Yeah. When you thought the comeback was going to come short. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I teased this. I think last time we spoke with each other, or maybe I brought it to you off, off the podcast. I can't re remember now, but I said, I wanted to tell you a story about what happened with the Washington game that the Nets collapsed and lost, and it was a t horrific loss, the Joe Harris turnover, et cetera. Yeah, Sunday night so, game against the Wizards. So yes. I watched that game a half hour behind. I don't remember why now. Life, life occurs. What I do is I put my phone on airplane mode, so then I know nobody can text me. I can't see scores by accident. It's foolproof in my mind, at least for now, knock on wood, I thought so, to not see what happens with the score. So the Nets went up by five or six, whatever it was with like the with like the – 13 seconds left and the and the the uh it, it's dvr so it's behind the thing froze and it says error and then oh. it stops and it goes to the score and it says washington won the game so oh. i didn't see what happened i had to rewatch it but i went are you serious they just lost this game all i saw was nets up by five with 20 seconds left and they lost so the dv whatever the app screwed up it went to the end. I saw oh. the score and I did not experience the Washington loss live. I had to rewatch the horror. I was just about to, <laughs> I was just about to ask. So when you see they lost, which in a lot of ways is worse, a lot of ways your experience with that game is worse than mine and most people listening because we watched it and we said, wow, they lost. It was horrible, but we saw how it happened. If I'm you and I see that score, I'm like, how the hell did this happen? I'm like, how is this possible? Math. <laughs> so you actually went back immediately and said, I need to see how this happened. Yeah, I had to see it. I had to see it. <laughs> well, there wasn't that much time to, you know, now I don't re remember the exact sequence, 
but I remember the Joe, you know, turnover to the Westbrook three, the TLC missed layup that that is engraved in my head. But yeah, I missed the end of that game live because the uh, the uh, playback screwed up and, and just said error here. Here you go. Here's the score. I missed it. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, I think, and I understand why the answer is the Phoenix Suns, and maybe to most people listening, that would be the answer because it was an incredible comeback. And at no point during that fourth quarter did I think they were going to win. You know, when they cut it to two, and then Paul hit a couple of just ridiculous shots, and they were back up by eight. Never did I think they were going to win. They played great defense down the stretch. I think you mentioned Landry Shamit, even James Harden. The the overturned call was incredibly significant, mm-hmm. but. There is another game I'm putting above that. And it's this one. It's this game against the LA Clippers because I think the win against the Suns almost felt like, wow, they pulled that out of their ass. Yeah, the Suns are good and they're improved, but it felt, you know, okay, great. It was, it was a great win. This win against the Clippers on Sunday night with a 5-0 and road trip, is almost like the exclamation point to all the haters out there, to everyone who says the Nets can't defend enough, they're dysfunctional, they're never going to make it work. This is a giant F you at all of them. (laughs) And I do believe, cliches aside, the entire league is now on notice. Yes. I mean, there are no excuses. I get Anthony Davis didn't play in the Laker game. I'm not going to minimize that at all. Same thing with Dennis Schroeder. But let me remind the Laker fans, Kevin freaking Durant didn't play for us. The L.A. Clippers are a full-loaded squad right now. And again, Kevin Durant didn't play for us. And so, I don't know, maybe it's the the recency bias, because we are recording this podcast soon after the win against the Clippers. But this game to me is firing me up like no other, even more so than the Laker game, because it's like, F you, everybody. We went 5-0 and on the West Coast. We've dominated every top team in the NBA. Every one of them we kicked the ass off, okay? It's almost like a reminder, look who we are, bitches. If, if you just go out there and say the Nets don't play defense, the Nets don't rebound, you're not watching them, and it's, it's lazy. And, 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 I, and I'm just saying because when they try – they do do those things and they've done that on this West coast trip. They've defended, they've given energy, they've given effort. We talked about Bruce Brown and and what he was doing. There was one play in particular where it would have been a clear backcourt violation and he hustled and got the ball and ran for it. This team is trying and playing hard and the, and the result is victories. And they did this without Kevin Durant. And that is something to take note of. Because you're right. The win after L.A. was, okay, yeah, but there was no Schroeder. There was no Anthony Davis. It's like, okay, you're minimizing the fact that Kevin Durant's not playing. And these are the same people that said Kevin Durant won't be the same player. He's coming off an Achilles, so he'll be good. He's going to be 80% Kevin Durant. Now that Kevin Durant's 100% Kevin Durant, let me find – we don't even acknowledge the fact that he's not even playing. So there's always different excuses. Oh, this one will be, oh, yeah, the Nets – they were good, but Harden got away with that foul on Kawhi Leonard. That really changed the game. That flipped the game. The Clippers should have won. It's just always going to be something, Evan, because the Nets are now the team that everybody dislikes, that everybody hates, and they're looking for reasons to punish them and make the Net fandom be upset. But the truth of the matter is, you're right. 
they just went, they beat Indiana, and then they swept a West Coast trip. And they did it against teams that are going to be in the playoffs. The Warriors are going to be in the playoffs. The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Suns are going to be in the playoffs. The Kings, probably not. But they disrupted the West Coast trip. They dominated it. And now at 20 and 12, this team is ready to move forward and we'll see what happens. But it's like, it's just, it's always got to be something. Let's find a reason why James Harden can't be a good player. Let's find a reason why Kyrie Irving is a bad dude. It's the same narrative and it's annoying. And you're right. They came out and they proved everybody wrong when they defeated the Clippers. Huge W. And let's give James Harden credit because Kawhi Leonard clearly pushed off. Harden played good defense on him on that possession. So let's give James Harden some credit for that. And even, you know, it's funny in this Nets Clippers game, Landry Shamit didn't shoot the ball well, but when he was on the floor, he was still contributing as a defender. Landry Shamit's defense has been very impressive over the last few weeks. So even on a night in which his shooting was off, I give Shamit credit. And here's the thing, man. I always used to make this comment about the Yankees because the Yankees are always a championship contending team. The Yankees would have some kind of win in June or July. And I'd say this is the game that's going to be on the highlight video if Mm. the Yankees win a World Series. The game on our highlight video, if we do finish the job and win an NBA championship, is the Detroit game. (laughs) I mean, Mm. that slog, that non-give-a-crap performance has really sparked this team. It's, It's amazing to say. And I remember back with the 2019 team. And I understand the 2019 team, you know, lost in five in the first round. But that was a lovable team. It's a team that means a lot to you, a team that means a lot to me. A team that really sparked all of this. Because I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Durant and Kyrie Irving come to Brooklyn without that team having success. But what I remember about that team is they kept losing brutal games over and over again. That's why their record was awful over the start of the season. And it finally turned around against the Raptors. Red Van Fleet missed a wide yes. open three. They beat the Toronto Raptors, I think, on a Friday night. And yep. from then on, they went on a run. We know they made the playoffs. But I remember Spencer Dinwiddie saying it to me and saying it to others that all of those tough losses kind of strengthened them. They learned from all those tough losses. So as painful as those games were for me and you and everybody listening as fans, it turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to them because they learned so much from it and then you know, went on this great run where they won a ton of close games, tons of crazy games. And in an odd way, that Piston game really is the most important game of the year because it was so bad and so embarrassing, and it was a rock-bottom performance in terms of defensive effort. And look how they responded, the dominating performance against the Pacers, like you mentioned, and now 5-0 and on a West Coast trip. So that game is the one you circle, man. And I think if you're the coaching staff, if you're the team, the organization, you need to look at ways to motivate the guys. And, you know, the championship should be the motivation. But till you get there, there's got to be a sense. And I feel it now after this trip is, hey, everybody in the national media is saying, you guys can score. You guys are a great offensive group of talent, but nobody thinks you guys can defend. They, they say you don't have a big, you can't rebound. I have a feeling like they've galvanized on this idea that people think they can't be this team that plays defense and that they actually got through to them and said that Detroit debacle, see what the national media is saying about you. All right. It's time to get our, get our, you know what together, let's figure this out. And it, and it feels like the, the flip was switched and they gave a damn. And if they're going to give a damn on most nights, they're going to, they're going to win. I mean, 
I, I'm always so nervous at games. Evan, I wasn't even when this Clipper game got tied. I, I, I thought to myself, they're going to figure out a way to get a W. I, I, I felt it. I just feel so confident with the aura that this team is bringing because of how they're playing and how much they're hustling. And I know they're going to lose games, obviously, but they just, when they give a damn, they're very tough out. And then it gets back to the cliche. If they try, you're going to beat the Nets four times out of seven. I cannot wait to see that happen. Uh, three quick things I'll throw at you. Number one, any ounce of jealousy towards how great Jared Allen has been playing recently because he had a historical performance on Sunday night. I think he's like the third player in NBA history to have 30 points, 10 rebounds, and not miss a shot. Some kind of weird statistical anomaly, but the guy's been great. Any jealousy towards what's going on right now with Jared Allen? Because the Nets are winning, no. If the Nets were not winning, yes. Bingo. I feel <laughs> that defines it perfectly. It's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. That's how I'll feel about Sam Darnold when he's somewhere else next year. I'll be happy for him if the Jet quarterback, if it's right. John Watson or it's someone they draft, Zach Wilson, if they're playing well. But if we suck and Sam's playing well, I'll be miserable. All right, yep. number two. Do you want the Marcus Cousins who is going to be released by the Houston Rockets? I don't. I have a... I have a- well, let's see what happens with Jeff Green, but I have an icky feeling about DeMarcus joining this team. I don't want to disrupt the locker room. I know what happened at the end of Harden's tenure with the Rockets when when Cousins called him out for what he had done. I have a weird feeling about him going in there and making some icky things happen. I know Cousins was with the Warriors, so he has a familiarity with Durant, but I I... I get worried about him in there. Now I was the guy that said Harden shouldn't be a net. It was a bad idea. Clearly wrong. So maybe I'll be wrong on this, but I'd prefer somebody else over, over, uh, over DeMarcus. Yeah. I mean, I lean towards, no, you mentioned the Harden stuff. I, I don't know what their relationship is, especially yeah. since he was pissed off at James Harden at the end. I, I don't want to kill him for the way he's played over the first 25 games with the Rockets because he is coming off an ACL injury. So he hasn't played a lot over the last two years. So I feel weird jumping on the fact that he's shooting 37%. I think he's going to get better. I mean, especially with a good team and in a role in which he only has to play maybe 15 or 20 minutes a night as he continues to recover from you know, guys that a few injuries he's overcome the Achilles and now the ACL. I don't want to kill him too much for it, but yeah, I would stay away. I think there'll be better options and better fits in the buyout market, I, I would say better fits would be the key thing because DeMarcus Cousins may be better than Javal McGee. He is better than Javal McGee, but Javal McGee may just be a better fit for what the Nets are doing. And also Nicholas Claxton's back, even though he didn't play and I don't know when he's going to play. So I kind of agree with you on staying away from DeMarcus. And number three, very important question. Be honest. Mm-hmm. Do you think Kevin Durant was a little tipsy during the Laker game on the bench? I mean, come on. He's wearing the tight shorts. He's got a sweatshirt on. He's holding that white cup the entire time. He's got a you-know-what-eating grin on his face. KD was smashed, and I love it. I got to tell you, I got nothing against it. Why not? Why can't he have a drink? He's not playing. Is there anything, like, to me, this is the ultimate dream, is sitting on the Nets bench in mesh shorts and a sweatshirt, getting drunk and watching the Nets while I'm with the team. I mean, to me, that's the ultimate, like in LA against the Lakers. Could you ask for anything more? And he did have some of those moments. It was the, uh, 
which shot was it when he gave that that gave a fantastic look all these games have blend, all these plays have blended <laughs> yeah, in my head together expression on his face. yeah but he had that one expression on his face maybe it was after a hardened shot i don't remember anymore uh was he drunk no but uh did he did he have a nice um chardonnay sure <laughs> I think it's one of those things I hope is true because I just think it's awesome if Kevin Durant's like, hey, look, I'm not playing tonight. All right. I'm inactive. It's a it's a night. It's a Thursday night in L.A. I'm watching my guys play basketball. We're kicking the Lakers ass. Give me another drink. Now, we do have to hold ourselves accountable because on last week's podcast, we both made predictions for what this week would look like. And not only did neither of us say five and oh, I think I said two and three and you may have been a little bit more positive. You may have said three and two. I think I even warned you that, hey, the Knicks are playing a soft schedule. The Nets have a tough schedule. The standings are really going to tighten up between the two of us But by the time we got to Sunday night. So uh, we were dead wrong. We didn't show enough confidence in our basketball team. No, I did say that they would beat Phoenix. So I had them winning that game. Now, so we recorded this after the when was the Golden? We recorded this after the Golden State. After game. the Golden State game, so they were one and zero when we got into the trip. So I think I had them at three and two then, yes. and then you had them at two and three. But yeah, but I mean the Knicks did you know win to, tonight? They did get the W versus um, Minnesota, who I believe just fired their head coach. If I don't if saw that correctly on Twitter, and then the uh, and then of course they had they did have the loss earlier in the week. Now, as far as this week's concerned. Kevin Durant. Uh, I think both of us figured he would not be playing at all during this West Coast trip. They started off by saying he's not going to play for the next two days, and it turned into a few days after that. I kind of think we see him, if I had to predict now, and I'm not going to be overly negative and say it'll be a month from now, I think he sits the next two games against Sacramento and Orlando. On Saturday night, they play the Dallas Mavericks. It's an ABC game. That's my prediction on when KD returns. So I think he's going to miss two more games. And he'll return on Saturday night against Dallas. Where are you with it? I think they play him. I think they're going to play him. I, I, I think, you know, I don't know what they really meant by it. Two games and we'll reevaluate. But I think they do have a bit of a concern of a little bit of a rust factor. So I think they do want to get him out there, get him back in the mix against teams they expect to win at home in Sacramento and Orlando. So I, I think uh, my gut says, yeah, we're going to see Kev- Kevin Durant back for the Nets in, in, in the next game. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's not a hope so in terms of they need to get him back to win. Obviously, they're winning without him, but it comes back to the same thing we mentioned last week, and that's you want experience of these three guys playing together. I mean, you just want as many minutes together on the floor as possible. I know it already looks like they've developed chemistry, and there's a history between all three of them in many ways. I think the fact that Kyrie and Harden have played is a huge help because Durant already has experience with James Harden. Durant was already developing that chemistry with Kyrie Irving and their supposedly best friends. So I think the two in this kind of three-man deal that's most important to learn how to play together are the two guys that are playing right now. So I think that's a positive to take out of it. But that's the real rush on Kevin Durant. Plus, selfishly, it's amazing watching this guy play basketball. I mean, Mm. it's intoxicating watching him. So selfishly, you just want to see him on the floor. Now, it's beautiful to watch. And then you combine him and Harden and Kyrie you're watching this team, Evan, you're seeing them go out and beat the Clippers, beat the Lakers. And you're right. There's no Kevin Durant. And you put him in the mix. It's just, it's exciting. It's, it's the most energy I've had in a mid regular season game in 20 years. And I, I want to see him out there. I want to see what he looks like when he's back in the mix verse with, 
with James Harden and Kyrie Irving and then Joe Harris, who's who's become such a great player on this team and is the perfect person to be on the court with these guys at his confidence level, no hesitation, shooting shots. You know what, Joe, this, the biggest difference I see with Joe this year that I, that I haven't seen in the past is Joe would be missed two, three pointers. And in the past, maybe make a pass, a, a pass to somebody and not take a shot. Joe will miss three threes and then take it and hit the fourth. Like he doesn't care anymore. And his confidence is so high. I love that. I think today was a good example. This game against the Clippers. He didn't get off to the greatest start in the world. He struggled out of the gate and actually finished strong. Um, Mm -hmm. So what do you think? All right, let's see if you're positive or if you're in the middle. There will be three more games before our next scheduled podcast. Tuesday night against the Kings where they'll actually be welcoming fans into the arena, but it's a very limited number. It's not even going to be the 2,000 states allowing. It's only going to be 300 people, which is odd. Sacramento Tuesday night, Orlando Thursday night, and then the Mavericks Saturday night. All games in Brooklyn. Could be a little bit of a letdown. Let's face it. They've had some great wins out West. How do they do over the next three days? They win all three. They're going to lose a few. Oh, sweep, 3-0. How can I say, I mean, I mean, I guess if, you know, you said, all right, Mike, the Nets are playing the Kings tonight at home. The Nets are playing the Magic tonight at home. The Nets are playing the Mavs. Like, how would I take the other team? And I guess I want to, you know, we'll see who's playing. But on that basis, I would take the Nets every single time. So I'm going to go three and oh which is something I would well, never say. Normally my answer would be, well, they're playing well, but you know the NBA. Some team will find a way to sneak in. I'll go 2-1. and one. Nah, I'm going 3-0. and oh. Yeah, I mean, they could run the table into the All-Star break. You've got five more games before the All-Star break, and then we'll find out what the second half schedule looks like. The three games I just mentioned, and then at San Antonio and at Houston. So go all the way with it. Just say they're going to win the next five. It'll be an 11 game winning streak going into the all-star break and we're good to go. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> and the best Thinking part beautiful. is, and the best part is the Sixers lost. So we're a half game out of the number one seed, a, a seed that, you know, we haven't given that much thought to, but Hey, if they're going to be fans in the building, get me that number one seed, baby. Yeah. And that's all about matchups too, because it's like the two teams I would not like, I know I, I talk about the Knicks, the two teams you don't want to see in the first round, Toronto and Miami. To me, that's like you want to avoid those two teams at all costs in the first round. Ah, it's good to be a Net fan right now. Let's enjoy it. Let's cherish the moment. Things can go bad very, very quickly, as we know. <laughs> but right now, the Brooklyn Nets have won six in a row. They swept up the West Coast trip. And right now, ask answer this question. What Eastern Conference team can stop this the Cavs He's there in Eastern Conference <laughs> team baby who'd you say the Cavs the Cavs yeah you know what you're right <laughs> <laughs> got to avoid that matchup you're right all right Mikey get some sleep baby all right it's uh, another edition of uh, the Brooklyn basketball podcast thanks for listening